Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID. It's such an honor and privilege once again to be here to share with you and also to learn. Friends, it's, it's so great when you have an opportunity to learn. It's also great when you have an opportunity to share. But it is even greater when both parties are actually forging ahead with the product of what they are learning. And I really want to thank you for being steadfast for as many as find time to tune into this program. There is hardly a week, whether I attend a function or go to certain meetings, that I don't meet at least one person that tells me, I love your program. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I am blessed by it. This is one of the things that keeps me going and giving me that same belief that we are as a people, building and developing ourselves. So we've been looking at the topic centralization and decentralization. Now, one may just ask and really ponder in your head and your mind, how come, you know, I've chosen the concept or this topic for several reasons. Number one, we are currently going through um, the electoral season in our country. And you know that there's been a lot of blame game here and there, uh, the functionality of the electoral umpire, that is INEC, the political parties, the citizens, the followers, and everybody. At the same time, businesses are also going through their own challenges. But many people do not understand that within the structure lies a lot of elements. One of such elements would be people would be systems, would be processes. And it is based on that structure of people, processes, and systems that strategies are adopted. So when you see some strategies fail, it is not because the strategies are of necessity, not good enough, but it could be as a result of one of the elements that sit within the structure. Now, centralization and decentralization happen to be a format that defines how organizations, how businesses, and how entities are made to operate. So we have started the journey in defining centralization as a reservation of authority at the center within an organization. We went ahead to say that control and decision-making resides at the top management, which you do know. And we give examples. So like I said, we used our public service, the ministries, departments, and agencies. We also brought in the multinational corporations like the Coca-Colas of this world, the Cadbury's of this world, the Samsung's of this world. We then went ahead to talk about decentralization of authority as a disposal of decision-making to the lower levels of the organization. And in going through it, I did mention that decentralization is not the same thing as delegation. That delegation means entrustment of responsibility and authority from one individual to another. But decentralization means scattering of authority throughout the organization. Now, it is a diffusion of authority within a, an enterprise. So decentralization is very distinct from dispersion. When you see an entity being dispersed, you would think is decentralization. It may not be, and it is not, because dispersion occurs when offices are located at different places with physical distance between them. But when you look at decentralization, you are seeing a place where authority is basically scattered across board, and it is being diffused within the entire ecosystem. So the big part of making centralization and decentralization work lies on one thing, and that is delegation. Delegation is a process of devolution of authority. 
delegation takes place between a superior and a subordinate. This is something not many people do well because of various factors. You find that in many entities, bureaucracy will creep in, not because the people are incompetent, but because the structure is defective. Bureaucracy will also creep in because one person in the system or three people in the system will do the job of one person. And delegation sometimes fails because of insecurity. There are many superiors who are feeling very insecure, who feel that they would lose their jobs because the one that is junior to them will shine more than them. What they don't understand is that delegation is a complete process and that it is a must for management. So when you look at the structure of INEC, for instance, the central bank, for instance, the ministries, departments and agencies, it is imperative that delegation must take place. When you look at a supply chain company, a logistics company, the managing director will sit at the top. He will have his immediate directors and the whole organization will be underneath. Within the operations there, even the driver, the driver that takes the trucks or the goods from one place to the other has been assigned the de delegated authority. And that driver at that point in time needs to make it happen and recognized as a key member of the process. Now, a structure is not alive if people, systems, and processes are not intact. And so if you want to track the progress of that particular truck driver, you must have systems and processes in place. Thank God for technology. Today, technology enables efficiency and effectiveness to a large extent. But then what happens? People are not well-groomed, well-oiled, and well-trained. And so you'll find that the whole concept of delegation and decentralization begins to fall on its face because of the errors. The errors will come from a defective structure and the errors will also come because people do not necessarily know what they are doing. And so this morning, I want to start from the standpoint of sharing with you what I call the advantages of centralization and decentralization. Centralization, we will start with centralization. And what I will try to do is do a comparative advantage. So if I take one particular factor from centralization, I will tell you what it is with decentralization. That way we are mimicking and mirroring two different aspects for your learning. And this is very important because I have a lot of you out there that are listening to me now who are one-man businesses, meaning you are a sole proprietor. And probably you have um, a few staff within your own immediate environment. However, because of the nature of your business, you have staff that are scattered across different regions, capitals, towns, cities, what have you. Now, you may be a small business according to you, but you are actually medium scale to do what to do business. Now, take a clear example with the guys that sell spare parts. You will find that if you get into the spare parts market, the gentleman sitting in Aspamda or Alaba would have his office there as a central office. But I bet you if you go to uh, Idumota or you go to some other parts of, of Lagos, you will find the same person having little um, stores in those markets where they are known to be spare parts market. That man listening to me now will have to see how the advantages of his kind of business will be compared to a big company like Coca-Cola, where they have plants, where they have offices across the entire federation. The same thing goes with institutions like INEC, institutions like the central bank and institutions that have to either not for profit or for profit. So it could be in any industry. 
So let's take a stab into this by looking at the advantages of centralization and decentralization. Now, when you look at centralization, one key advantage that really comes through for it is that the environment is stable. The environment is stable because most of the operations and the back end, almost all the things that need to be done are warehoused in one authority. When I mean one authority, it is centralized. However, when it comes to decentralization, the environment is very complex and uncertain because the eyes are not on the ball. There are several eyes looking at several balls all around. The second point is that in centralization, the lower level managers are not as capable or experienced at making decisions as upper level managers. So in centralization, you always find that decision making is always at the top. But the guys in the middle will always be made to take approvals from the guys at the top. And this is what I talk about bureaucracy. It can creep in. It would affect something called efficiency or effectiveness. However, when you look at the decentralization, the low-level managers are capable and experienced at making decisions. So if you have an operation, for example, running in a state, maybe Abia State, and your headquarters is in Lagos, the managers you're going to employ in Abia or Aba must be capable enough and experienced to make such decisions. But most times, the ones with, in the head office, not because they are not capable, but because they are the head office where the head resides, I always say to people, anytime you hear headquarters or head office, know that that is where the head is. And wherever you have the head, sometimes it can be trouble because everything has to pass through the head or most things have to come from the head. And managers that work at the head office sit down and need approval at every inch and step. However, when people are assigned duties and delegated duties and they are operating from the outside, most times they make the decisions because the head is not there. They are the substantive heads. Now, another point to note is that lower level managers do not want to have a say in decisions. When they are in a centralized setting, they don't want to have a say because they are under a roof. There's some fear. There's some palpable fear that, ah, Ogade here, I cannot take a decision because Oga is around. Even take that into the modus of the command structure. You'll find that in a command structure where you are staying in a place where the principal officers are, you will not find any of the officers underneath taking decisions. They must want some direction from above and they do not want to have a say so that A, they are not quoted, B, they are not in trouble, and C, they can have peace. But when you go to a decentralized operation, you'll find that the lower level managers want a voice in the decision making because they are going to be vocal. They are going to tell you this thing has to be done in this way. It has to be taken this way. But more importantly, I'd like you to understand that many times over in centralization, the company or organization is large. However, with decentralization, the company or organization is geographically dispersed. Another point I'd like you to note is that when you have a centralized operation, sometimes it could be as a result of crisis management. The organization could be facing a crisis or the company may be at risk of failing. Now, what you find is that the culture at that point in time has to be that of centralization of everything. I remember one of the companies I used to work for when it was really in a bad state, was about to go under, and that was about the time that I joined. And then it was incumbent on us as um, executive directors to bring everything into a centralized play. For example, all the procurement was done because we now had to set up a procurement committee headed by another director. And every single expense or procurement, whatever it was, grain, this, that, 
would come through that procurement committee and members of the departments must come to defend why they need to do X, why they need to do Y before a local purchase order is issued called LPO. That way, we were able to centralize because the company was at the risk of going under. In fact, it was already in the water. But then, because we are facing a crisis, it was important to do that, whereas in times past, the corporate culture was open to allowing managers to have a say because they could have a say in what happens and also take some decisions because there is a process. But whenever there is crisis, crisis brings centralization. See what would have happened during the Ebola crisis or COVID. You know that despite the fact that everything was decentralized in many cases, you would find that all the heads, even the government, even the operators, even the NGOs, everyone had to come to a centralized point because we were facing a crisis situation. So centralization and decentralization have the advantages, but they also have in it items that could actually trigger for a business or a company to get into that mode. Don't start your business from the point of view saying, ah, I want to be in 100 um, towns all of a sudden, or 50 towns or 10 towns. I want to be five towns. No, you must have a reason. And that reason starts from the structure. Many times, the structure of centralization and decentralization differ. When you look at centralization, the approach typically is top to bottom. That is, you'll find that everything that the operators will, at the lower level, will run with will always come from the top. So they call it a top-to-bottom approach. Whereas when you go to a decentralized structure or approach, it is bottom-to-top approach. In that way, you find that a lot of ideas come from the bottom, whilst the decisions come from the top. So you can actually manage centralization and decentralization by creating what I call levels. So there's a level one, there's a level two, level three, and say level four. When you want to go through change management, in fact, yesterday I was having one of my classes where we're talking about change management, and I had to share with some of international colleagues about how we went through an organizational design and organizational change when I was at Coca-Cola. And the fact that I was able to spearhead it as one of the very four people in Africa at that point when we had to go through that process. It involved a whole lot of work. Now, in organizational change, you need to carry all the levels need to be carried at the same time. But it's a top-to-bottom approach because when you want to change the structure or you want to change the entire gamut of the organization, the top have to have the buy-in and the bottom need to have the selling, and then the two will have to come together almost like a sandwich. If that is not done, an organization would fail to move. So why am I saying this? You will find that today in most of the institutions that we have, for example now, I'm just using this as a case study. Part of the reason that you may have issues, for example, with the last elections we had. now. The structure recognizes different levels. And the levels you have at the top level, the commissioners, and from the lower levels, maybe two, three, four, five, whatever you want to call it, the numbers are down up to the point where you have the electoral officers or polling unit officers. Now, if you are going to take on a proper approach, it has to be a blend of both. So it means that the guys at the polling units must, at some point, be able to come together with the bosses in the middle and the bosses at the top for the ideas and the issues they are picking at the bottom level must be escalated, not just written down. And it also means that the bosses at the top must find a way to walk down the ladder to come and understand what is happening there. In like manner, in a company where you have field representatives, 
who are out there. And then you have the head office. The officers at the head office, whether senior managers, directors, must, as a matter of certainty, make field trips. They must go into the field to see what's going down and how it is being run. The guys in the field are considered the lieutenants, and in some cases, they are generals because they are general officers commanding a territory. When you go there, in a decentralized approach, they are able to tell you, the bosses at the head office, look at the challenges we are facing daily, and this is how we are making things happen. The numbers you are seeing as a result of these initiatives. And so we need your help this way. So when the bosses go back to the head office, they then come down with decisions and policies that will help the smooth running of the operation. So you see that the structure of centralization and decentralization requires a handshake, a bottom-to-top approach, at the same time, a top-to-bottom approach. Both must have some fusion. But what you find in most cases is that both are kept separately. Top-to-bottom is what it is, and that is hierarchical. The MD has said it, it is final. The head has said it, it is final. Everybody, obey. And it's almost as if you have no say, you cannot do anything. Such organizations build a culture where the people will not think, they'll be robotic in nature, and they'll be very ineffective. However, same thing applies with a bottom-to-top approach where the leaders are not seen at all, they are nowhere. The guys on the floor just decide to do what they are doing and the business continues to run south. But imagine if there's a blend of the bottom to top and top to bottom, then you have what I call a perfect synergy where the structure that involves people, that involves systems, that involves processes will come to life because all the strategies that you will build will be based on ideas, challenges, and initiatives that are coming from the field. Well, friends, we'll take a break now as we will come back at the second half and we'll continue looking through what we consider to be the key factors in decentralization and centralization. And more importantly, I think I'll have to tilt a bit more to decentralization just to highlight some advantages over centralization so we may all begin to think differently and see structure not as we look at it but differently going forward don't go away we'll be right back this is navigate with id brought to you by corporate shepherds welcome back dear friends and um, for those just joining us i bid you welcome we're looking at um, centralization and decentralization this is a business school on radio and I hope you are all fully geared, you know, towards just joining us as we go through the streams. We've been looking at the structure of centralization and decentralization. Just before the break, we talked about the top-to-bottom approach, which is a centralized approach, and the bottom-to-top approach, which is a decentralized approach. And one of the things that I came through with it was to say you need a fusion of both in order to have a balanced organization and also to have a process that will be seamless and full of life. But coming from that, it's important that a lot of us begin to look at the screen a lot differently. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this so that we can then begin to appreciate when we go into organizations that have a decentralized operation over those that are centralized. Because the tendency is that we tend to happen a lot of the mistakes, the issues that decentralized operations have. But then some people are scared of also getting into decentralization. And remember, I said to you that delegation that is aptly put together and decision-making is what actually creates the decentralization in the real sense. It's not when you have offices everywhere. That is not decentralization. That is a dispersion. All you've done is to take seeds in your hand and go to the farm and throw them. And then those seeds will now become plants that will begin to sprout. You can't call that decentralization because you just disperse seeds. However, when you have a purposeful structure, 
where there are processes and systems and people are taking decisions away and outside of the scope of where you are, then decentralization will take place and will be in play. So some of these advantages, which I would like to highlight, are advantages of decentralization over centralization. Number one, reduction in the burden of the chief executive who has to bear the entire burden of decision-making in centralization. That is the first advantage. Decentralization of authority reduces the burden that the chief executive, the MD, the general manager, carries because he has to bear the burden of decision-making in the entire ecosystem. But when decentralization of authority happens, it reduces that burden as he delegates a part of his authority to the subordinates and that enables him to focus on other important functions. So you must always understand that it's important for you to delegate your authority to someone else. That way you are going to reduce the burden over yourself. And that's why when you look at situations where things don't really happen or there are clogs in the wheel, it's because the chief, whoever is the head, wants to have all the decisions and everything happening from his desk. And that creates a centralized mode and bureaucracy. Number two, when an organization begins to add new activities, new products, new product lines, that organization has, in a way, began to grow complex. And it may pose a challenge to the top executives, which can only be met by decentralization under the overall coordinating preview of top management. What I'm saying is, in some cases, you find as the organization or business is growing, it is important that the authority becomes decentralized because when you still put that in charge or under the view of only the top executives, there will be complexities. There will be challenges. And again, I repeat, bureaucratic inefficiencies will set in. Number three, one of the advantages of decentralization over centralization is that decentralization avoids red tapeism in making decisions. We call it red tape in making decisions as it places responsibility for decision-making as near as possible to the place where the action takes place. So take, for example, again, I am using a commercial organization or a big company that is into manufacturing of goods and services. Now, you are headquartered in a particular location, say Abuja, yet your operations span the entire country. You must have a field sales manager or a representative in other states of the federation or towns. Now, when you, as the boss at the headquarters, make decisions, you cannot expect that the guys in the states should not have some authority to make decisions. The sales rep, the closest person to the customer, the closest person to place where action takes place must be saddled with almost the same kind of responsibility or decision that you are making as the boss in Abuja. And so to avoid red tape, it is important that that individual is well-groomed and well-trained. And this is where we always have issues because particularly we trust a lot of people at the place where action takes place get a bit dubious. Now, I know it's two ways. So you'll find that some companies are afraid to allow their representatives, the sales reps or the managers at the point of the action given too much powers because they abuse them. That's when you see a lot of fraud. I don't know how people today are so fraudulent but they, they are fraudulent because they will bring up excuses. The other side to it is that a lot of organizations today try to play smart by half. You don't give people their due. You don't pay salaries when they are due. They will look at the Oga Pata Pata traveling every day 
driving Porsche cars, and yet he will tell them there's no money, and he will travel with his family on holidays, and he will tell the, the team that, sorry, we are not making enough money, so I cannot give you a bonus, I cannot pay you a commission, I cannot pay you a salary, you need to sell more so that I can. And they are seeing that at the point of the action, these guys are collecting checks from customers, these guys are selling the products, things are going well, yet their welfare is being abandoned. Now, what then happens? You find that they begin to connive with the corrosive elements around them, and they begin to defraud the company. So because of that action in itself, you find that decentralization brings in a lot of red tape. So the manager at the center wants to know, you must phone me, you must send it in. Those that are buoyant enough use technology or they look for ERP, enterprise management systems that they can use to track and make approvals. But all of that still brings in bureaucracy. Why? Because there are decisions that need to be taken as and when due and on the spot. If you don't give that authority to whoever is manning that place, then you have lost the opportunity. Friends, what it tells you is that we live in a society where there's so much corruption and mistrust. That in itself is a big factor that affects our productivity as a nation and as a people. It is very difficult to find a faithful and honest manager worker. There are few, and these few are so few that they are like endangered species. From every strata, you will just realize that people are so incongruent. When it comes to trust, it doesn't exist. So more and more, rather than enjoying the benefits of decentralization, we are getting more into centralization and it is slowing down the pace, the speed, and the urge for any business to go forward. That's why businesses are not able to hire many people. That's why they will give the job of three people to one person. Why? They don't want multiplicity. When they come in, they'll be connivance. But I hope by the time you go through this, even if you're running a one-man business or you are working in a corporation where decentralization should actually be the norm of the day, but everything is centralized because you and your colleagues are not trusted by management, it's time to call yourselves to order to say, guys, let us live by code. Let someone develop a code of business conduct. Someone should be able to say, these are the principles that will govern how we buy our goods, how we sell our goods, who we sell our goods to, where we go to get our materials, how we go to get our materials. They are all codes and everybody must be taken through each of the codes. When they take everyone through and they sign an oath of allegiance to the code, then anybody that breaks the code will take on the consequence. But I must tell you that in a country as vast as Nigeria, we need a lot more of decentralized operations over centralization in order to have the spread, in order to have the scope enhanced, and in order to have a vast range of people that are going to be employed. The other question is, how many of our people are employable? It's a story for another day, because when I go to another advantage of decentralization over centralization, my fourth point is that when authority is decentralized, the subordinates get opportunities of taking initiative to develop managerial talents. What we don't know is that when we are fully decentralized, we are teaching people, we are also grooming them, we are developing them to become leaders of tomorrow. But what is happening today? When you keep feeding and feeding and they are not exercising and learning, when the individual leaves that stage, what then happens? Those people will not be able to stand their own. That's why we are not grooming talents. That is why as a nation today, we are crying about Jaqwa. I don't believe that Jaqwa should be a problem to us. In fact, as a matter of principle, I believe that Nigeria should be very happy that Nigerians are being termed net exporter of talents. But the problem is that when these talents that are leaving leave the stage, 
nobody or few people can replace them. So it tells you that there's a huge gap in capacity development. So those of you that are here that are crying, no jobs, no jobs, go get yourself something to do. Go and get trained. Go pick up a skill. Let the guys that are jackpying, jackpot, when they jackpot, you can feel the spaces. There's more work. Work will come out because the system requires able-bodied men and women who are thinkers, who are doers. But if you are lazy bones just waiting for to drop and they say, what can you do? I can do anything. I'm looking for a job. What type of job? Any job. Then something is wrong with you. It means that you cannot have a piece of the pie called delegation. Nobody will hire a lazy bone and then delegate authority to him. Somebody will hire someone who has an ability to in take initiative and at the same time develop his own managerial talent. When you don't show it, nobody will touch you. The fifth point around decentralization is that it promotes the improvement of morale and motivation of subordinates, which is reflected in better work performance. Talk about a high-performing work culture, you'll find that decentralization makes it happen. The morale and motivation of the staff, subordinates, are all centered around that delegation. The team just sees that, oh my God, our GM has given us the cap, you know, the ability to be able to do things differently. And they will bring in huge success and huge parameters back to the organization. Why? Because they are highly motivated. But what is happening today, you find that in our public service, for instance, despite the fact that we have a, a thorough, well-spread decentralization within our public service, you are talking ministries, federal ministries, department and agencies, there is the lack of morale and motivation. Our structure within the civil service is one endangered space that Nigeria needs to bring in very adjunct reforms. If we want to raise the bar of productivity in this nation, we need to have massive reforms in our civil service, both at the state level and at the federal level. Because the fact that they are centered around or they are constructed around decentralization and without the morale and motivation of the workers standing in place, you can't find work performance being better. It is very bureaucratic and not just bureaucratic. Everybody is dumped in there and you don't even know if there's a process. I'm aware that the current head of service, the lady, uh, is doing every effort to drive some of this, but how far can she go when the monster has been let loose? Let loose in a way that the will, the political will, and for whoever is going to sit in on that seat eventually, and whoever takes the wrong of either at the state or the federal level must be ready to drive some civil service reforms. That is the way Nigeria can become a lot more productive because I believe that the government is still the highest employer of labor from a public service standpoint. Just imagine that you have places where there are ministries of water resources, yet pipe-borne water is a dream. The day water comes out from the pipes, then you know that truly we have a public service that works. No, everybody provides water, everybody provides power. You fix your roads. So what is the point of this decentralization of the public service? What's the point having a public service that is not motivated, that is not morale conscious, that does not allow better work performance? This is why as a country, we are continually at a low level. Go to other countries you'll find that the brains that drive the public service are essentially at par with the ones that are in the private sector. But here, we have lazy bones who will just tell you private-public partnership, PPP, and they use that to siphon money rather than looking at how to build proper reforms to drive the vehicle called decentralization and make it more effective for the better good of the average Nigerian. Friends, the advantages of decentralization over centralization are enormous. Let me give you a sixth example. The greater the degree of decentralization, the more effective becomes the span of control. It leads to effective supervision 
as the managers at the lower levels have complete authority to make changes in work assignment, to change production schedules, to change work schedules, to recommend promotions, and to take disciplinary actions. If you just take this particular aspect and plug it into our public service, whether at the federal level or at the state level, you'll see that we have fallen flat. There's nothing called effectiveness. The span of control is there. You have a deputy assistant vice. Three people, deputy assistant vice, three. So you have a controller. Under that controller, there will be three people. They'll say you start, there's assistant controller, there's deputy controller, and there's vice controller. Why? But if you go to the public sector, there's only one. There's a controller, there's an assistant. So the other two spaces are just there. And one, you don't see the deputy, you don't see the assistant, you don't see the vice. You ask me, what are they doing? They are just minuting the file. You take a file to one, SEO will minute. CEO will minute. ACEO will minute. They'll just put there to ACEO. They, you know, those days we used to have Manila files. You know, I told you I worked at the civil service. Then we'll have these Manila files. And when you bring those files, they are buckets where one person, they'll put the date and then this person will have reviewed it, will initial, and then you'll come here. The next, it goes to the next person. So it will go to ACO admin, DCO admin, CSO admin. Or before it now gets to the admin itself, between the time it starts from the ACO to the CO himself, will probably be one month. Tell me how, can, how we can be effective as a nation. Tell me how things can go well. And here where we are, we are dependent on this civil service or public service to give approvals to businesses or to items or policy that are being enacted that need to move fast to enable productivity to go on. And yet they are moving the file from A to D to C, ultimately to the boss. And it can take one month. And if you do not bribe that process, your file will go under the table. Miori, they need a C file for civil service. If your file lost, bros, the man where they carry the file self go make a loss, then go see him. If they bring out your file, after a while, you will say, God have mercy. So all of these are brought in because of the over-dependence or rather it will be the lack of systems and processes. And that's why if Nigeria is going to make progress, we need an absolute reform of our civil service or public service structure. Take it from me. If you want this country to make a 360 turn, we need to fix our public service. It is one place where decentralization has become a nightmare, whereas decentralization is so great and gives us an opportunity over centralization. One last point I'd like to make as an advantage of decentralization over centralization is the fact that apart from all the things I've mentioned, the six points I mentioned, decentralization also achieves several internal and external economies. Internal economies include faster communication, better utilization of lower level and middle level executives and managers, greater incentive to work, and greater opportunities for training. When you have this, you will then see there's a singular point of energy, and that takes you to a different space. Now, I do not want people to walk away and say it's a bias. It's tilted to one side. And so permit me to look at some advantages of centralization over decentralization. And this is just to create a balance because I said to you, a decentralized approach and a centralized approach could actually, a fusion of both, actually make room for absolute effectiveness. So what are some of the advantages of a centralized operation over a decentralized one? Number one, a singular point of control, which helps make bigger decisions easier as the top-level managers have a better picture of the organization as a whole, and they are better equipped to make important decisions as compared to a lower-level manager. One advantage of a centralization is a singular point of control. And there, it's because there are the big decisions that need to be made at that top. And then there's a better picture of the organization. It's almost like staying at the rooftop and you're able to see 
what's going on on the ground. Number two, the implementation of an idea, process, or policies is easier in a company that has a strong central direction as compared to a decentralized organization. So when you want to drop a product in the market or you want to move very fast, a centralized operation will deliver that a lot of times faster and better and the processes will not be cumbersome relative to one that has to go through a decentralized you know, uh, structure. Now, the third point I'd like to make here is the fact that due to a single vision of the head of the company, that is the owner, the proprietor, or the boss, or the capo, the tutti capi, the organization can work towards a single goal, which would not be possible in a decentralized organization due to individual manager goals. So agendas are always different. When there's a single vision, with mean, the head of the company, everybody follows. And one thing I'll say as a last point of centralization is the fact that it allows corporate decision makers respond better and faster in urgent situations which require quick decisions. Now, friends, you may just wonder, this whole talk around centralization and decentralization, what else can I get out of this? What else can I make happen for me? One thing I'll say to you, if you are just starting a business or you want to start a business, be very sure that you start from a centralized to a decentralized. Remember, it's about the decision-making. You will need to be your own HR. If you are starting a small business, you will need to be your own, uh, what do I call it, bookkeeper. Not You can't be a finance expert. Before you have the money to employ a, an accountant, and thank God these days, there are a lot of virtual assistants. The technology has allowed for virtual assistants to happen. At the same time, there are applications you can take on. You need to upskill, bring yourself to a point where you start from a centralized operation before you start getting into decentralization. Why? Because it will help you facilitate your profit center. You'll be able to set up a profit center and as you begin to open up other areas, other decision points, you are able to know what the cost of that decision will be or the cost of that operation will be. When you sit from the center, it allows you drive production diversification. It also allows you promote the development of general managers. So you will just find out that the people that start the business with you, if you are not selfish, in three to five years, you should begin to give them roles. They would have full responsibilities. And as you're doing that, you're already morphing into decentralization. You're morphing into a place where, as a CEO, founder, or whatever title you may carry on your shoulders, you will have more time to think about the progress and the new things you need to bring to the table while some men and women who started with you just as staff or just as contributors have morphed into being general managers. Friends, this is how a business is built. This is how a process comes through. And it's one of the things that I keep happening on when I meet some of my clients. So when I sit down and I am invited to help design their organization or look at the current structure or look at the culture that is pervading among some clients that invite me to, to their businesses for consulting, the first thing I look at is the decision tree. And I ask the question, who makes the call? So if you are selling tires, the question I ask is, who makes the final call of who to sell to and how to sell to that person? Once they tell me it is the MD, I know there's a problem. I know I have one, it's a store in Alaba, where the chief executive officer is Erastos. When I ask who makes the call, who, what to sell, who to sell to and what price. And they tell me, oh, it is the so-so-and-so in charge of that territory. Then I know that there is a pervading culture of decentralization versus centralization. And so we then begin to work towards a design that will drive optimality. And what I typically say to a lot of my clients is, listen, if you and I just go throughout establishing a set of controls at the same time, 
we need to put some performance metrics and incentives to allow the people in the field uh, feel and also have a sense of ownership. Why? Because it encourages decision-making and assumption of authority and responsibility. See, you can't give a man a goat and you hold the knife and the rope. The goat is just going to run away. But if you give him the rope and he uses the uh, rope to be able to take the goat wherever he wants, and at the same time, he has the latitude to know whether it's at Christmas or New Year that he wants to you know, have his barbecue. You can't be the one telling him that barbecue must come every day. You tell him barbecue must be on such a day. So when will he have the time, the opportunity to think? That's one of the things that we do that don't work well. And why do we have this problem when it is a one-man business? Because SMEs are actually the bedrock of any economy. And part of the problems they have is because they fail to have policies. You know, a centralized operation. If you are running a business and you are the center man, you are the founder, you are the owner, please, I beg of you, you need to set up some policies. And in order to in, uh, increase uh, complexity of coordination and decentralized uh, organization units, these policies will help you run itself wherever they are. But then, one thing you must note is that you may be limited by certain forces. Part of the thing you find is the thinking that I don't want to train these people. When I train them, they will run away. If I train them, many of them, after I train them, they run away. Why must you bother about that? Well, it means you're, you need to look at your comp and bend. What I mean by comp and bend, your compensation and benefit structure. Nobody just wants to be running around the place like a headless chicken. Yes, I know this generation are very nomadic in nature. They go for whatever comes through. But if you make a man feel at home, he will make a household out of your man. But if you do not, of course, who does not like you know, to look at better things and things to do because they've not been given the purpose and the drive? So there are several factors that we need to look at, friends. And as we go through this process, I hope that I'll be able to steer your heart and steer your mind in order for you to see what you need to do differently. So in the next episode, we'll be looking at the factors that will determine the extent of centralization and why we must, of necessity, begin to iron out the best formats for our businesses, for our organizations, and also for whatever we lay our hands to do. Thank you so much, friends, for listening. If you have questions, feel free to send a mail to contact at navigatewithid.com. You can also follow me on any of my social media platforms. The handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. And that spreads through the spectrum of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, LinkedIn. Thank you so much. God bless you and have a good day. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.